Hey, this is Dave DeBoe. Would you like to access private capital so that you can buy more properties and scale your real estate business? Then check out my brand new podcast. It's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show. Now, the first nine episodes are a mini course on how to raise six figures in a matter of weeks and seven figures in a matter of months, even if you're starting from scratch. So you can find this new show. Again, it's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or feel free to visit us at RaiseCapital101Show.com. Hey everybody, Dave DeBoe here, Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Let me ask you a question. Are you looking for a way to find good multifamily deals, ideally off-market? Well, then you're going to want to pay close attention to today's interview because today I'm interviewing Nico Salgado, a real estate entrepreneur all the way from New York City. Nico is an active real estate investor in the multifamily space. He's a podcast host. He's a meetup group leader. He's a busy guy. So Nico, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. All right. Well, let's jump right in. Let's talk a little bit about what you are doing these days to shake the tree to generate leads when it comes to motivated sellers or good deals in the multifamily space. What are you up to and what seems to be working best for you these days? Well, I got to be honest with you. So I, I've tried a number of different things, but the, honestly, what's working best is still the broker relations. And let's talk a little bit about all of it, right? So like when we're finding deals and when we're looking for a deal, we can go you know, direct to seller, which is the common and sexy way of doing it, or the commonly thought of as sexy way to do things. You can do door knocking, you can, you know, driving for dollars. There's so many different ways to find good leads, right? And then on the flip side of things, you can go directly to a broker. That's definitely the easiest way, <laughs> I would say for sure. Yes and no, right? Depending okay. on what size we're looking at and how seriously, you know, the broker will take you. And right. I found that to be one of my major challenges as breaking into this space, especially in the target market that I chose, which is extremely competitive as many other people are seeing as well in their competitive markets. I chose to focus on Tampa and, you know, just going after deals, a broker will immediately kind of size you up, whether or not you have done deals before, whether or not you can close a deal. You know, all of these things are extremely important to a broker to, because what do they want? They want surety of close, not necessarily full price, right? I mean, they want to get the max they can for their sellers, but what they want even more is that you're going to close that deal. Fair enough. So what are some of the things that newer investors in the space can look at to stack the odds in their favor? So there's a few things you could do, and you obviously can help on this end as well. But let's talk first about going directly to the broker, because that's always going to be a tactic. We're always going to be dealing with brokers at some capacity. I don't know any of my friends or colleagues that are 100% off market at this point. Brokers are still a good route to go, right? Because they do this professionally. They reach out professionally and find motivated sellers, right? Got it. So to do that, you know, you're going to have to have some sort of credibility for yourself. And whether or not you have done deals before is somewhat irrelevant in this space. It has some relevancy, but it's somewhat irrelevant because of the fact that we can leverage the experience of other people, right? Okay. So this is not necessarily a game that we play that we are jumping into a deal solo. We typically work with a group of individuals and you want to align yourself with a group of individuals that has that experience that you lack, right? That's step one. And what I tend to tell people to do is, and I help people do this as well, I get them a like a credibility page almost and 
And we do it together. I have a few templates that I created or whatever. And we work on creating some sort of credibility page that you can then demonstrate to the broker as you are at the same time educating yourself and aligning yourself with these excellent operators and, and positioning yourself for, to succeed. And at every outreach and every conversation that you have with a new broker, you should be providing them with this credibility page. They don't want to sit there and read like a giant 30-page PowerPoint. You know, They just want something simple to say, yes, this person can close the deal. And that's really what it comes down to. Can this person close the deal that they're going after? How do you show them that, yes, you can close the deal if you've only done one or two deals in the past and perhaps they're a lot smaller? Maybe you know a lot of people are going from single family homes, looking into multifamily properties, or they haven't done commercial type deals, commercial residential in the past. How do you show that kind of credibility if you haven't done it before? Yeah, so that credibility has to come from your partners. And, you know, me personally, I leveraged friends, colleagues, mentors, and they are on my credibility page. And when I'm speaking with a broker and they look at these other people, I show exactly what they've closed and when and how many units they have under their belt and how long they've been operating for. That gives credibility to a degree, right? Because those people aren't necessarily in the market that I'm looking at. So then what does the conversation go towards? I am the acquisitions person on this team for this Tampa market, right? And that's really what it comes down to. They hired me specifically to work with, you know, and find deals in the Tampa market. And we're really aggressive at finding X, Y, and Z deals, right? We have to know our criteria and we can close those deals. All right. So basically you're positioning yourself as the deal finder and you're showing that these more experienced investors are going to be your partners on the deal. They're the ones that are bringing the financial and the experiential strength to the table. And that's your board, you're your sitting on the shoulders of them to boost your credibility and basically, correct? Yeah, but there's a catch 22. I mean, at this level, and this is myself included, I'm only three years into the game, but for the, I'm still learning to date, by the way, Dave. But at that level, when you're first, you know, having those initial conversations with new brokers in a new market and you yourself are new. It is extremely challenging to kind of keep up with the pace of terminology, with understanding exactly how you're going to structure a deal or how you're going to finance it. And these things are are very important to brokers as well. So, you know, the conversations are kind of at a minimum in the first six months to, to 12 months, I would say. But you show that you have some credibility, you show initiative and that you're going to be providing feedback on all the deals that these brokers provide you with to your capacity, right? Because you can't necessarily provide the most highest level of feedback. but Feedback to your capacity that you're in the game, that you're there to stay, you're not going to give up. Yeah, because these poor guys and gals get hit up by a gazillion wannabes that, that are just took some sort of a webinar, multifamily investing, and figure they'll dip their toe into the whole thing. So they're probably getting an onslaught of these kind of inquiries on a regular basis. So they have to very, very quickly sift, sort, and filter the tire kickers out. So any tips on the credibility one sheet is huge. Making sure you, you know, especially if you haven't done a deal, that at least you know the vocabulary, you know the jargon. Any looking back at when you first got involved in this, anything that you would do differently? Anything that you would tell your three year ago self when you were first getting into multifamily investing about dealing with the brokers? Yeah. Well, number one, just relax. Like I went in there and as soon as I began my journey, I, I flew down to Tampa and I met with a bunch of brokers and I'm throwing out this terminology that I really didn't truly understand. They said, I'm looking for eight caps. And if you know Tampa very well, I mean, there is no such thing as an eight cap. It kind of made me 
seem a little bit, I guess, novice right from the get-go, but I was trying to use the vocabulary that I thought was necessary to use. And what I should have done, this is, you kind of bring this out of me right now, is just build a relationship with that person. Say, hey, I'm here to learn. I'm going to be here for the long haul. I'm not looking to fix and flip, right? I'm here for actual multifamily. And I began my education with this specific group. I have these specific people behind me. And can you help me learn and kind of put the onus on them to provide you with the natural need to help others, right? Now, are they keen on doing that typically? Because again, I'm sure a lot of them are getting hit up on a regular basis. However, they're probably not getting invited out to lunch by people that actually take the time to go into the market, meet them in person, that sort of thing. So is that kind of what you did when you did that trip to Tampa? Did you wine and dine these folks a little bit to get to know them and start the relationship? Or or what are your suggestions there? It's so interesting that you bring that up. And you're absolutely right, Dave. People, they're super busy, right? They want to make, they want to find deals. They want to market the deals. They want to sell those deals. I mean, do they really want to spend time with some new person eating lunch, even if you buy it for them? I didn't do that. I ended up just going down with them. We looked at a few properties together. I gave some basic feedback on what I thought. I didn't pull the trigger on anything, right? For two and a half years now, I still haven't. I was close on a few, but haven't pulled the trigger. And down in Tampa only, but in other places, yeah. So yeah, do you, you don't, there's other ways to, I guess, impress them. And what I ended up doing was building somewhat of a relationship with them, kind of connecting with them on a different level, just very quick sentences while talking about a deal to get information about what kind of a person they are, what they like, et cetera. And I ended up sending, well, here's actually what I did. I chose three brokers, top brokers from the Tampa market. I had them help me write a small section of my Tampa ebook. And I highlighted them in there. You know, I put their picture in there, their bio, their contact information, and they actually wrote a little piece of my book. And after that, I sent them all a gift. And I didn't give them like the typical bottle of whiskey or whatever. I give them a handmade cutting board engraved with their name or with something that was inspiring to them that I learned through them through our basic conversation. So they really, that really went a long way with building a relationship with these particular brokers. That is very, very smart there. The marketing hat came out and you looked at something creative, something different to do and and did it. And I love that. And also you stroke their egos by having them participate in the book. So that's also a way of giving back because you're helping to pump their tires. You're helping to promote them indirectly by being part of this book. And at the same time, they're helping you to create content. So that was a real smart win-win kind of scenario. The book that you wrote with them or the ebook, what's that about? If you don't mind me asking. what's Yeah. So the premise behind it is just kind of, I originally wrote it to distribute to all my friends and family as an introduction to the market that I decided to target, right? So I gave it to all of them and they all thought it was pretty good. And I didn't go the typical route of like numbers and metrics. I mean, I highlighted, yes, but I did a, I tried to go like the history route because I think it's really interesting, the history of Tampa and and how the cigar industry was built in that area. And there's still some history in the city of these cigars. And it was just, I thought it was interesting. Tampa's a beautiful town, for sure. It's a beautiful city. I've been there a few times. Yeah. yeah. So that was a focus. Here's an idea for you. Not that you asked for it, but just a follow-up might be to jump on Zoom with those three brokers individually and do a, a little Zoom interview with them, kind of on the same stuff that you talked about in the book, and then send that out to your list as well. That might be kind of fun to do as well. It's Ooh, just- Dave, that is a phenomenal idea. Thank you. 
I had one of the brokers on my podcast. I, I had planned to do the other two as well. However, I really like that idea. It could be like a five to 10 minute video clip of them yeah. explaining the market and what's going on in today's market. And boom, email blast to everybody on my list. There you go. There. I love it. I, <laughs> I love, love it. I, I love brainstorming with other marketers. It's so much fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then I love the, the really personalized gift that you gave them that, I mean, first of all, a gift in general is a great idea. And that's going to make you stand out because they probably aren't getting that many in the first place. And then the second thing is going that extra mile to just really, really personalize that. So every time they take a look at that cutting board, you're the guy that they're going to think of. So that was very, very smart. So I love that. That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave DeBow, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book chat with dave.com okay nico how about some some non-broker type ways of shaking the tree and finding some deals what have you found that's been effective for you or your associates over the last little while for finding deals yeah so then there's the off-market route right and i have not been successful with it in the tampa area however i do have friends that are very successful with it in other areas we're still doing it by the way we're still running campaigns down in tampa However, I am not running them myself. I'm just overseeing a couple of guys that I handpicked yeah. to, to run it for me. So what we do is we pull lists, right? We pull lists based on certain criteria for mom and pop owners and things that we look for. We have certain parameters that we set when we pull these lists. And there's a number of ways to pull lists. I don't know how you know, sophisticated or advanced your listeners are, but obviously, you know, you can go to certain places like CoStar or there. You know what? Here's the easiest way. I went on Fiverr. And I found a guy who pulls lists yeah, and like scrubs them and does all the work for you and puts them in a beautiful Excel spreadsheet for you. I did that. And I did it a number of times with different types of lists. So then I have different spreadsheets of different types of lists targeting different types of owners. And the most recent one I got was, you know, a variable loan, people who had a variable loan in place and potentially could be looking to sell at this time or needing to sell if they're coming out of a bridge product. And you and I know the interest rates are arising and maybe they can't get out. So that's basically my thought process there. So what we do then is we have a three-pronged approach. One is text campaigns, cold call campaigns, and mailings. So the texting campaigns are the first touch point essentially, and those are the cheapest and typically most easy to receive a response from. Everybody looks at their phone unless you have the wrong number and then you quickly filter that out. Mm -hmm. So we do texting and keep you know, very, very good notes on who's responding to what and then what kind of a lead they are. We give them different color coordinated highlights. Like if it's red, it's like don't call or whatever. If it's green, it's like call back essentially. But we have a different, you know, code for the type of seller that we find. I imagine with text messages, you probably get quite a few reds. You get a lot of reds and a lot of a lot of profanity. <laughs> Gotta have a thick skin for that kind of stuff. That's for sure. Yes, yes. So that's why I don't handle it. I'm a sensitive guy, Dave. That's all my bad. I can't, I can't handle that kind of crap either. I can't, but I have this Russian guy doing it for me. He's amazing. And he's yes, like, I don't mind. Kind of he tells me he doesn't mind at all. 
The next step is, is the phone calls and he's calling all day. He's got like all these different dialers and he's doing it for not only his single family business, which he does on his own, but also for this multifamily. And he's doing it all day. He tells me some crazy things that people say to him. And I would personally be affected all day and not be able to get back on the phone. Probably why it does it. I mean, you've got a background in, in teaching language. If it's not your first language, it doesn't sting as bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I like it. When I was living in Latin America and I'd hear people using profanity in Spanish, I understood what it meant, but it had absolutely zero emotional impact on me because I didn't grow up really understanding the gut punch of the terminology. So this Russian guy, he hears the words, but it's not that gut punch because it's just it's just words to him, right? He understands the meaning, but it probably doesn't affect him as much. What are your thoughts on that? Very, very true. It's funny to say that there are some very strong profanity words in Spanish that for me would be like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe these people are saying this. But in Spain, where my family is from, it's very common. Kids and adults alike say it. And it's not very, I couldn't believe it. So I guess it does come down to culture and understanding. Right, we got off on a little tangent there, but yeah, it's kind of, so you got the Russian guy who's got a thick skin, doesn't give a crap about the, and so, okay, so we got the text messages first. Then the cold call, which the Russian guy is doing. So I imagine he's getting a lot of red responses as well from these kind of calls. But it's all a numbers game, right? Right, exactly. So if like we have a list of 2,000, let's say he gets like 10 people that are responsive. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily interested in selling or even have a good deal. But if they're responsive enough to where we engage with them, we then follow up with a phone call and then put them on the list to be our year-long campaign to get mailers and every quarter let's say we're going to send out a mailer to them so you got a list let's say of two thousand prospects you go through it first of all with the text messages all of the green ones that don't tell you to go jump in the lake then your russian cold call guy is going to follow up with them on the phone right and if they don't tell him to jump in the lake then you know you've whittled it down to whatever that is and you're going to keep in touch with those folks add them to your mailing list and go that route. Is is that pretty much how it works? Exactly. And I neglected to mention that we have them opt into emails, you know, so they can't just email somebody. So we have to have them opt into an email. And it's rare that we get that. But if we get that, it's very important. Here's a quick example. On Friday, today's Saturday, when you and I are talking, on Friday, we had a seller respond, right, to a text message saying, you know, I'm interested or whatever it was. So my partner, Vlad, the Russian guy called him and They just had a conversation and we're trying to gear our conversations at this point, not to a price yet because sellers are extremely aggressive on their pricing and not necessarily knowledgeable, right? So my boots on the ground partner in Tampa is ready to go meet this person for coffee to talk investor to investor, just to discuss maybe we could be of assistance to each other. And the seller, this is just a conversation that we get excited about. The seller's like, no, I want to sell, right? So we're like, all right, great. We try to have them throw out a number first. And he did. He says $10 million, which if, you know, for a 28 unit building, it comes up to like 355 or something, a door, which is essentially double what a C-class building, you know, worth per unit. Yeah. Yeah. Is worth. So those are just where the conversations go. However, that doesn't mean he's a no, right? So now we kind of got to maintain a relationship with this person, milk it. And hopefully our next step now is to get our partner boots on the ground guy just to meet up with him. Yeah. They don't take a look at the place. Yeah, they don't even have to do a deal. They can even just talk deals in general. He might know this. Somebody else who has a deal. And that's really building relationships is key in this industry. And it could take years. And that's okay. We're here for the long run. 
So I got a question for you, Nico, because you add in there, you try to get them to opt in for an email. Where does that come in in the sequence? So text message. So you're starting off with, and let's just get reality here. So 2,000 people on a list, all 2,000 of them get the text message. Give or take, well, it's simple about it. Let's say 1,000, just for easy math, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you got 1,000 people on a list. Your experience, you send out 1,000 text messages. How many of those thousand are going to turn into people saying, go jump in the lake, never contact me again? How many do you think would be green or at least neutral? Or, you know, I'm sure the vast majority never even respond to the text message. So what does that kind of look like just to give people an idea who've never done this? Well, it could be anywhere from 10 to 20 percent that say that respond somewhat positively. Not all of those are going to lead to a conversation. Okay. Uh, but we're looking at about 10 to 20%. So, and then but you also asked, where does the email come in? So we can, if we don't get them on the phone, right? The next step is try to get them on the phone. We want to talk to them. Yeah. So we After, have to, so let, let's say we got it out of those thousand, we've got 150. So between 10 and 20%. So let's say 150 that have some sort of a not negative response or not ignoring you kind of a response. Vlad's going to jump on the call, try and call him because you got the phone number, obviously. Out of those 150, give or take, how many do you think Vlad's actually able to get through to connect with, give or take? Oh, well, so out of 150, let's say 25. Wow. Yeah. Very, very low, right? Most people are just ignore. It's it's an unknown number. They're just ignoring it, letting it go to voicemail, correct? Correct. However, now this might be something to take into consideration. This is strictly multifamily, you know, eight plus units. It could be, he's saying it's a little different in the single family space, but I'm unknowledgeable on that. No, but let's focus on the multifamily. So, okay, so about 25. And then the other 125 that he's not able to get through, you're going to be trying to get email addresses from these folks or get them to opt into something by email. How do you do that? Correct. So there's two ways. So we will send a link, say, hey, can you opt in for our email list? But you really want to talk to them first, right? Before they opt in, because the likelihood of them opting in without really knowing you is low. So, but we have a link, a direct link that they can just click on and that'll opt them into our mailing list. Uh, You've actually got their email addresses already, right? We do, yeah. Yeah. So you're sending them an email saying, please click here to confirm that you don't mind us emailing you more. Well, no, I I send them, we send it through a text as a link. Ah. So they can click on the link in the text. Got it. And that confirms their email address or they have to put their email address in once they click on the link. Right. And the other option is to send them to a website, which is like a landing page. We've tried a number of different types of landing pages with kind of like a clickbait kind of thing, not a clickbait, like a click funnels kind of thing where they go to a landing page, they fill out X information, but we haven't had much success. Yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. You might just thinking, but again, I'm not sure what the legalities are here. If you had the conversation with them, and you've had some sort of connection, you double check this, but you might be able to actually email. Do you have their email addresses already? We do, yeah. Yeah, you might be able to actually email them and they just click on a link to approve communication. So they don't actually have to opt in. They just click on the link and it it whitelists them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. Yes, I'll look into that. Might be easier because you already have you got a connection, you've been talking with them, you just remind them, like Vlad could literally individually email them onesie onesies, 
just say, hey, it was great talking to you. Please click here so we can keep in touch via email. Hopefully do business sometime or something like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, the concern would be legalities, which you might actually be right on. And then the other concern would be like the deliverability rate go down, but we're not mass emailing, right? So right. this is a, you're absolutely right, Dave. I like it. Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, very cool. So the 150 that haven't told you to jump in the lake, they've been somewhat responsive. Lads talked to 25 of them. Are you just focusing on the emails from those 25 or the whole 150 you're trying to get some emails from there? Yeah, ideally we would get emails through to a whole 150, but if they're not responding via the phone, then it's- a, That's they, pretty tough. Yeah. 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 We'll put a reminder to follow up with them in, in X amount of time. Very cool. All right. So then it whittles down to the whatever- six, seven, or eight that Vlad's actually able to talk with. And there's a bit of a connection there. And those are the folks that are going to actually start getting direct mail from you guys as well. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And then you do that quarterly. Is it a newsletter type thing? Or what are you sending out on a quarterly basis for mail, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So it's just a standard letter, you know, saying if you're interested in selling, you know, we're here to buy. We buy cash, we buy quick, we pay aggressive prices and that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, very, very cool, Nico. I can talk all day about marketing stuff. It's so much fun. I love this stuff. If people want to find out more about you and your company, Small Axe Communities, or connect with you, or listen to your podcast, attend one of your meetups, what's the best thing for people to do? Oh, thanks, Dave. I think the best way is to just go to my website, smallaxecommunities.com. And there you can find everything out. So Small yeah. Axe, like... Like in chopping down a tree axe, right? Small That's axe. A-X-E. Yeah, I've seen the spelling two different ways, A-X and A-X-E, but I use A-X-E. All right. Well, we'll include everything in the show notes so people can just click on that. Nico, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience. I appreciate you so much, Dave. Thank you. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.